everybody. Welcome to the Caught Looking Back podcast. Uh, my name is Aiden Jolly alongside Brandon Karam. So today How's we will going? be recapping uh, the Marlins-Cubs game um, from May 2nd, 2009. Uh, the format for this podcast is, so we're going to, like I said, we both watched um, this game from uh, a little over 10 years ago now. And uh, we both kind of gave our thoughts on it and uh, took notes on it. And uh, we're going to be talking about the guys who were in that game and kind of what they're doing now. So, yeah, uh, this game that we, we picked completely out of random. Like, it was completely random. I texted Aiden, and I was like, uh, you know, I have an idea. Let's start this podcast. And he was like, okay. So the first game, I'm like, let's just do a game from 2009. And then I was like, just pick two teams. And he goes, oh, how about the Marlins and Cubs? And I was like, all right. And then we just found this series. And you picked the third game out of four yeah. games. And, uh, yeah, so – but we plan on doing, like, uh, more uh, notable games in the future. We said we notable might games. do yeah. some, yeah, perfect games and then playoff games from – any year and if for any listeners feel free to reach out to us on twitter or whatever to request uh games aiden what's your twitter yep my twitter is at by aiden jolly so that's a i b y a i d n j o l y all right and mine is at brandon underscore carom that's b-r-a-n-d-o-n underscore k-a-r-a-m all right, Aiden, let's get into this game. Uh, so, like you said, Saturday, May 2nd, 2009, start time was 12.05 p.m. local. We are at Wrigley Field with an attendance of 40,083 people. And uh, a few notes that I took right before I watched the game. So, like I said, this was game three of four in the series. So I look back to, uh, you know, what happened in the first two games. In the first game, the Marlins won 8-2. to two. Jorge Cantu, Aiden, who I know we're going to talk about later, uh, he went two for five yep. with a double, a homer, and four RBIs. And then Chris Volstad, that's quite the name, huh? Seven it innings, is. three hits, two earned runs, five strikeouts, and he gave up two home runs. Cantu ends ends up finishing the season with a 105 OPS plus. He slashed 289, 345, 443. So a little above average. His career ends in 2011, and he's never heard from again. Aiden, I'm gonna be honest with you. I've a lot of the guys in this game I've never even heard of, but I know that you were more familiar with this era than I am, like like the 2009, 2000 right. era. And and. So I, I guess we can talk about Jorge Cantu for a couple minutes here just because okay. you know, this is yeah, how we're sure. starting it. So when, when I was watching this game, I came up with kind of my own theory. Um, I, I think it was his second at-bat that I first noticed it. It was in the fourth inning. Um, yeah, he was hitting three fifty three uh, coming into this game. And, and as you said earlier, he, he ended up hitting two eighty nine on the year. It was early May, three fifty three. Um, so a really hot start for him. So I was thinking, I took a note here in the first inning, and his first step out, I'd missed his um, his first step at just the average, but um, I I always kind of noticed that Jorge Cantu was kind of a streaky guy. Um, mm-hmm. So like you said, three fifty three. So in those May, June, July, August, September, those five months, you know, after the rest of the year, his average dropped about. 50 points from mm-hmm. early May to the end of the season. And I was thinking, and I was thinking he was kind of a streaky guy. And I guess that kind of confirmed my theory about him. And I, I, I said in the second inning, he was always a streaky guy. And then in the fourth inning, I'm like 353 finished the year with 289. I had to look that up on baseball reference, but um, I think that potentially confirmed my theory there. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm taking a look at his baseball reference page right now finishes his career with an OPS plus of 97 so only three percent worse than the average hitter in major league history not bad for a guy who you know he played 847 career games that's it hit 104 home runs 
and you know finish his career his career with a 755 OPS so he really wasn't a bad hitter but he probably could have been so much more had he not been streaky because hitting 353 through I guess it was 23 games like that's a pretty big sample size at that point yeah you know so and you know I I think another thing I kind of took note of like the Marlins were not a bad team around this time no not at all thing was so they were they they were leading the NL East coming into this game they came in at 14 and 9 uh this game so they were on top of the NL East I remember this team they ended up finishing somewhere in the mid 80s with uh Mm -hmm. yeah I I I think both of these teams finished second in their respective divisions the Marlins finished the year 87 and 75 in 2009 okay so I was always thinking that the Marlins weren't a bad team around this time, but I think they could never like get over the hump on the offensive side, if you know what I mean. Yeah. They didn't have and, they didn't have the best pitching. I mean, if you look at, you know, you have your starting pitchers there, be um your starting pitchers. So it was it was Josh Johnson who was uh they're kind of their number one guy. And you had Ricky Nolasco, Chris Bolstad, Sean West, and a mix between Anibal Sanchez, Andrew Miller, who's uh, now one yeah. of the better relievers in baseball. Anibal Sanchez started this game. Anibal Sanchez has been around forever. He started this game. He had – he didn't do as well. I think it was he pitched four innings and gave up six runs. To, by the way, the Cubs won this game six to one. Um, yeah. But um, – yeah, Sanchez, it was four innings pitched, six runs, nine hits, four walks, five Ks. It was 91 pitches and four innings, which is not yeah. exactly ideal. No, his performance was not great, uh, to say the least. Uh, something I wanted to touch on, so they show a graphic in the first inning for about Anibal Sanchez. And his first time through the order, hitters – or uh, opponent hitters are hitting 400. That is not good whatsoever. Yes. No. The second time through the order, no, but then, but then opponent this... hitters are hitting 212. The third time yeah. through the order, opponent hitters are hitting 200. So, yes, he gets better, but as you see in this game, they jumped on him early, Aiden. They jumped on right. They did, and it was... So I think it was three runs in the first inning. It was six runs in the first four innings. The, the Cubs didn't the Cubs didn't score after the fourth inning in this no. specific game. And you know that's a testament to their relief pitching. That was a, a testament to Hayden Penn, who I had not heard of him. It was just maybe I didn't remember him, something like that. But um, you know, I thought that was interesting that they, they jumped on him so quickly at you know. Ted Lilly was the Cubs starter in this game, um, and he did really, really well. And, you know, Ted Lilly was never a guy that was, I guess, overpowered as a pitcher, but he was kind of a pitch to contact, and he, get, and he got guys out that way. And so he wasn't, you know, the type of starting pitcher that we see today that's going to, you know, have 12, 13 strikeouts. They're just going to, yeah. you know maybe get five or six, like saying that he ended up getting 10 in eight innings. 10, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was 10 in eight innings, 104 pitches, 76 of them for strikes. Um, but this was kind of like the epitome of a, of a Ted Willie start that game. Yeah. So when I was watching this game, I vaguely remember watching Ted Lilly and I I had heard of him towards the back and I knew he made career. a yeah and because I he he was on the Dodgers for a few years at the end of his career so I, I remember right that. right at the but I didn't yeah. think that this guy was this good I mean he had one heck of a game he only gave up five hits he struck out 10 and if you watch he was pitching the contact on most like like you know, that's how he pitches, but he was not afraid to throw the ball over, like, in the strike zone to let the Marlins try and right. hit because he didn't walk anybody. He didn't walk a single batter no. in eight innings. No. 
he never had more. I'm looking at his baseball reference page right now. He never had more than 89 walks in a given year. That's incredible. I thought, yeah, he averaged uh, 65 a year. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, he, he, you, never, he didn't walk, guys. That's yeah. really all it comes yeah. down to. And, I mean, he he had one, two. He had nine years in a row where he had double-digit wins. That was from 2003 to 2011. I, I had to count it up there. But yeah, nine years in a row fan. with double-digit wins. Yeah, I'm not a big yeah, fan of the win statistic still, myself, but yeah, yeah I know you're I not. Understand it, but yeah, I mean, he definitely was a good pitcher during this time. He was above average. Absolutely, there was a couple years where he was yes. more than above average, but for his mm-hmm. career over a 15 year span, yes, he was above average. I would have liked to have him on my team, sure. Yes. I would take him as a solid number two guy. He he's oh, not yeah. an ace, but he'll give you a you know he, he was reliable too. He mm-hmm. was rarely on the DL, like like just very, very reliable. Um and that was the, that was his MO was he's gonna get guys out, he's gonna be never a star, but he's gonna be reliable and he's gonna give you, you know, starts like that every once in a while, but most of the time he'll give you six innings of two or three run ball and call it a day. Gives him mm-hmm. gives uh gives the team a chance to win every single time he takes the ball. Yep. So I talked about game one of this specific series. Game two. Oh, so first of all, from game one when the Marlins won eight to two, uh, and I mentioned about I was talking about Chris Volstad. This was one of his best starts yep. of the season because he ended the season with a five point two one ERA. He went nine and thirteen in twenty nine starts. So for him to go seven innings and only allow two runs, like that was one of his best starts of that season. Yeah. Game two of the series goes to the Cubs, who win eight to six. Ryan Terrio, who we're going to talk about in a little bit, hits a grand yep. slam off of Burke Badenhop of the Marlins in the sixth inning. Terrio's first home run in 620 plate appearances, Aiden. Yeah, and now he doesn't take long to get another either. No, Terrio jumps on Anibal Sanchez in the bottom of the first inning. Yep, and it was so, so he had home runs on. It was home runs on back-to-back days. That's now two in the past two days of his seventeen career home runs. And they he only all had seventeen. In, and at that point in his career every single homer came at Wrigley all 17 of them came at Wrigley no uh, all nine at the current moment when he was uh in at, oh, okay. at the game during yeah, the game this was only right this is only about his uh third year in big leagues I think I have to pull up his his reference page mm-hmm. again but oh this is his fifth year <laughs> Or really, fourth year. Wasn't a, but, he had seven home runs. Like, that was way more than he had in any other season up to that point. Right. Um, so, so next thing I want to go into is, um, so another guy who played in this game, he was hitting leadoff for the Cubs, is Alfonso Soriano. Oh, yes. Soriano. Alfonso Soriano. Know, uh, Go ahead. So I, I, I was thinking Alfonso Soriano is probably one of my favorite players from this era. He started his career with the Yankees, went to the Rangers and the Alex Rodriguez trade, and now he's with the Cubs. Um, he made his debut in, I believe, late 90s. Um, he was one of my favorite players from this era, just the way he played. And I actually, about two weeks ago, I found myself watching a highlight video of his. And he, he I wish he had gotten a ring. He never did, um, but he was just always a guy who's above average. He's going to give you 30 homers a year, and he had a 40-40 season, um, one of four guys all time to do that. And Yep, um, that's when he was on the Nationals. That's when he had the 40-40. Right. 
He he right. came one home run away from a 40-40 with the Yankees in 2002. He had 39 homers, 41 stolen bags. Okay. So, I mean, he, he was just one of those guys that was always above average. And, you know, I was a big fan of him. And, uh, I mean, I mean, that's just it. I was a big fan of him. And, um, you know, I think, I think the general observation, another observation I made about the Cubs around this time. So in 2009, the Cubs were coming off, um, back to back, um, NL central division titles and, Mm -hmm. but they never did anything in the playoffs. Obviously this was before they won the world series in 2016 and they they never did anything in the playoffs really in in this era. But, I remember the the Sports Illustrated cover said in 2008 that said, oh, the Cubs are winning the World Series this year. Obviously, they didn't. That was the year the Phillies won it. The Phillies beat the Rays in 2008. But it was – the Cubs always had this – a group of above-average players, but they could never just get anything done. They never had a – they never had, like, you know, the best player in the the league or even a top-five player in the league. It was just a nice core of guys who were, you know, solid, above average. And that was that was what they did back then. And this is before yeah. Theo Epstein and Joe Madden and, and all that. Who, yeah. uh, the manager was Lou Pinella back then. Lou Pinella, that's right. thrown out of this game. Um, he did not. But, um, yeah, Lou Pinella was managing them at this time. So I want to say a few things. First, I want to jump on the uh... – Alfonso Soriano conversation. So okay. I'm looking at Soriano's baseball reference page right now. And so seven all-star games, okay, over a 16-year career. Okay. He won an all-star game MVP. That's very respectable. And four silver sluggers. So that means he was the he was one of the three best outfielders in the league four times. Like that in, yep. in his leap. So I mean, this guy was definitely a very, very high quality player. It happens to be that 2009 was the worst season of his career, <laughs> but still, yeah. I mean, he. I don't know if he's in contention for the Hall of Fame. Probably not because his career WAR numbers oh, no. are not very great, but. Hall of very good. He, he was, he and was he never made 157 million. I mean, over his career, he 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 made a lot of money. Hall of very good. Uh, he yep. should, you know, he had a very successful <laughs> career. Yeah, he he was one of those guys that was just you know always there and always around and always you know had a good career. That's really all mm-hmm. it was that I think. So the uh, next thing, another I guy. To- the next thing I was going to jump on so, was how the, was the Cubs yeah. in 2000 and or like around these times, right? How you were saying how they were always, you know, they were okay. So we have yeah. 2007, they win the NL Central, get swept in the NLDS by the Diamondbacks. 2008, they yep. win the NL Central, get swept by the Dodgers in the NLDS. So now remember, they haven't won a playoff series at this point since 2003, and that's when they lost on the whole Steve They haven't Bartman. even won a playoff game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they hadn't even won but, a playoff game, back-to-back sweeps. Mm-hmm. But they hadn't won a playoff game since 2003, and that's against the uh, Marlins and the NLCS, and you have Steve Bartman and all that. But after right. those two years of winning the division in 07 and 08, here's how the Cubs would finish. Then, So 2009, they were second. 2010, fifth. 2011, fifth. 2012, fifth. 2013, fifth. 2014, fifth. So this was the last year where the Cubs were somewhat good. Yeah. Well, you got to remember, this was, so 2010 was, so Lou Pinello left the, the Cubs mid-year in 2010 because he mm-hmm. retired, and that was when, um, I think it was, was it 
Dale Swain that became the manager? Mike Quaid. Mike Quaid. Mike Quaid. Okay. And then they went to Dale Swain and then Ricky Renneria for one year. And then they went to Joe Maddon. So th- th- mm-hmm. this was kind of the, this was the last of the good years of the Cubs, but then they went into the dark ages for a couple of years. But you got to remember, this is all the time, you know, they were getting all those young guys that won them the World Series in 2016. Right. They probably thought, you know, kind of this 2009 team was kind of their last chance at, at winning the World Series, but then they didn't even make the playoffs. And you, and you saw it with – because the Yankees ended up winning the World Series. They beat the, they beat the Phillies in uh, 2009. So, so the Cubs just kind of had to break it down after the 2009 mm-hmm. season. So uh, let's get that was a little more th- – Go ahead, Aiden. Oh, and I was saying that that was kind of a similar thing with the Marlins. Oh, yeah. Was that they they were decent around this time, but they could never do anything, you know, finish it off. And they they had solid players, like you said. They had uh they had Hanley Ramirez, they had Jorge Cantu. He he was out this specific game, but uh, they also had Dan Ugla. Around the time they had Emilio Bonifacio starting at uh, second base, um, who was a good defender and he was always a good contact guy. Emilio Bonifacio. Um, this was still the early days of Hanley Ramirez. Uh, they had Cantu. They had the early days of Cameron Maben. They had the solid veteran presence of Cody Ross. Um, this this was a solid team too. But again, they just they they weren't good enough. Yeah. So I'm glad that you brought up Hanley because okay, this guy. So in 2006, he wins Rookie of the Year. Okay. 07, he finishes 10th in MVP voting. 08, he's an all-star yep. silver slugger. This year, 09, finishes second in the MVP voting in the NL. Yeah. He lost to Pujols, who had an unbelievable yep. year. I mean, Pujols was, yeah, he was, was just absolutely Pujols. insane. But he was by far right. the second best player in the league. Yeah. I mean, Hanley had a great year in, in 2009, and I, and I don't blame him, but his career kind of, I don't want to say quickly went downhill, but it went downhill in kind of suddenly, I feel yeah. like. He, he had some his injuries last that good he dealt year. with. Yeah. His last good season was you know, in, in probably with the Dodgers. Yeah, and uh, yeah, in 2014. So, like you said, like I said, with the injury, so he played 151 games in 2009, 142 in 2010. Then that drops to 92 in 2011, uh, 157 in 2012. Then it drops down to 86 in uh, 2013. And remember, he was still with the Marlins for part of that 2012 season. He got traded mid-year to the Dodgers. And that was part of mm-hmm. um, the Dodgers big when they traded for seemingly just about everybody at that deadline. And mm-hmm. uh, they had that big trade with the Red Sox in 2012. And then they got Andy Ramirez. And, you know, the, the Dodgers were all in around this time. But, again, they just didn't, they didn't finish it off. And I remember a couple of weeks ago I was watching a, a Dodgers-Giants game. I think it was opening day of 2013. And I was thinking, it's crazy that the Dodgers didn't win a World Series around this time. Oh, yeah. And Henry Hen- Ramirez was part of that core. They were. Absolutely. I am and it, right now, I'm, I'm looking at the 2013 team. They had Kershaw. That's prime Kershaw right there. Granky, that's prime Kershaw, yeah. Hanley. That's Puig's first season when he burst onto the scene. Aegon, right. Ryu, Juan Uribe, I mean, Ethier, Kenley Jansen in his first few years. Like, they were Matt loaded. Matt Kemp was still around. Mm-hmm. It was prime Matt Kemp time, too. Cro- uh, Carl Crawford. Yeah, Carl Crawford was one of those guys they picked up in the trade with the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. That big trade in late August, that, that was uh, kind of the second trade deadline. I know the MLB is kind of not quite done away with that, but it's it's less of a thing now that they did that yeah. they did that trade. 
Yeah. So how about we uh, get a little more into the game? Uh, game itself. So, yeah. yeah. So on commentary, it, we have the Cubs broadcast of Len Casper and Bob Brenly. Thoughts on the commentary overall? Uh, you know, there, there was Bob Brenly there, and um, Bob Brenly was the manager of the Diamondbacks in 2001 when they won a World Series. So he was – I thought it was a good commentary team. Uh, like I said, Brenly is a good color guy. He has a lot of experience managing, and he kind of man- – he did manage against Lou Piniella. And, um, you know, it, it was something that, you know, he kind of knows the ins and outs of the game really well, and I think that's what made Bob Brenly a good color guy. Yeah, his, and his inside knowledge because a lot of times when you see color guys, they're former players. Most of the time, they're not former managers as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that that made it interesting. So, uh, so. yeah. So when I was looking at this, when I was watching this game, uh, first inning. Lily looks great. I mean, he gets, he goes one, two, three, just cruises through Bonifacio. Then Jeremy Hermida, Aiden, I I know you have a few words about Jeremy Hermida, but (laughs) he, he, he strikes out and then Hanley flies out to right field. So that's the end of the first inning. Uh, But Aiden, I'll, I'll let you speak on Jeremy Hermida. So I, I, I was thinking, and I typed this in the notes, Ted Lilly against Jeremy Hermida is like the epitome matchup of 2009. Because <laughs> Jer- Jeremy Hermida is one of those guys you, you immediately forget about him, like the second they finish playing. He was one of oh, those yeah. guys. Um, yeah, Jeremy Hermida ended up striking out four times in this game. So there, there was that, too. Oh, for four with four Ks. Yep. So we so, get to the bottom of the first, and Annabelle takes the mound. Soriano's leading off the inning, hits it into left field for a single. Then Terrio steps up and cranks a ball to left field for a home run. So mm-hmm. Annabelle, not so with the so it's a quick two greatest start. Yeah, no. very fast to nothing after two batters. Uh, what do you think, like, Annabelle, I mean, a, a lot of his pitches were just right over the heart of the plate. Like, they were right down the middle. He was given, he was throwing meatballs to the Cubs. Yeah, I mean, you don't, you don't want to do that. You, you want to challenge guys, but you don't want to give him something easy to hit, you know? And that that's what he was doing. Yeah. So, so then I wasn't uh, surprised it was a quick two nothing. He gave up six and four innings, like we said earlier. It didn't surprise me. So then Kosuke Fukudome is hitting after Terrio. And Aiden, I, I know you yep. had had some notes on uh Fukudome, he so he draws a walk. So now Sanchez has his first three batters, a single home run, and then walk. So not the best start. But yeah, Aiden, what do you have to say about Coast Guy? Yeah, Fukudome was uh he was a big Japanese prospect. I remember, you know, him coming into the league. It was it was a big deal because a lot of people thought that he was gonna be good, and then he immediately he immediately delivered in 2008. He was an all-star. He finished sixth in Rookie of the Year voting. Uh, he did really well towards the, towards uh, in the beginning of the year, kind of fizzled out towards the end. But then he was never great after that. So he ended up playing uh, five years in the big leagues with the Cubs, the Indians, and briefly the White Sox. Uh, but he finished his career with a 258 average, 42 homers, um, I, yeah, but yeah, I I do remember him coming into the league, and it was kind of a big deal that he's like, oh, this big you know Japanese slugger, and he can do, he can do a lot with the bat, and it just it it, it never really happened. He came into the league at age thirty, um, he was out of the league by age thirty five, um, but yeah, 
so that 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 was that was mainly my thought on him that he was he was almost kind of a bust in uh in the big leagues. So I was looking at his his stats coming into this game. He's hitting 329 with a 462 on base percentage. His OPS is 1038. Like he was crushing the ball through or at yeah. the through the first 20 whatever games of the of the Cubs season. Yep. And yeah, in 2009, yeah, the the 2009 he ended up having overall was probably better than his first year in the bigs. I mean, he had a much higher uh, slugging percentage and his OPS was better. And uh, but not an All Star. Made an All Star game his rookie year, which was age 31. Yep. Yep. Because he he was thirty almost almost thirty one when he made his uh, big league debut. Mm-hmm. So right. yeah, we'll we'll get into the next guy there. Uh, so Derek Lee is next up in the Cubs order. Um, you know Derek Lee was a guy. He was always above average, and I, I was kind of I was kind of wondering about him. Um, like what what percentage you got in the Hall of Fame? And I was surprised that he was one and done in twenty seventeen in the Hall of Fame voting. He got shut out. He didn't get a single Hall of Fame vote in twenty seventeen. And that surprised me, honestly. Um just because I, I, I always remember him as a good player and he had three hundred homers and you know, he had an OPS plus of one twenty two. Um career batting average two eighty one. I, I, I always remember Derek Lee as a good player, but I, I I kind of thought maybe I was mistaken about that, but you know, going going through uh, his stats, he's 33 at the time of this game. But um, you know, I, I I thought it was interesting about him that he wasn't like kind of this superstar because I think he had the potential to be, but it it then just never came to fruition. He was he was better in the so he was better in the late 2000s. He had 35 homers in 2009, finished ninth in MVP voting. Um, he, he had a really good year in 2005 though, uh, third in MVP voting. He was an all-star. He hit 335, 46 home runs, 50 doubles, 199 hits. So, so he had good years and he had bad years and that kind of defined his career, I guess, if you will. Yeah. So his 2005 season was just—it's an absurd year. I mean, leads the league yeah. in total bases, OPS plus, uh, batting average, slugging percentage, OPS, doubles. He leads the league in all those categories, and he finishes third in MVP voting behind yeah. Albert Pujols and Andrew Jones. Uh, Lee had yeah. this. Well. For position players, Lee had the second uh, most war in 2005. The top four yeah. players by by war in the NL were Pujols, 8.4, Dontrell Willis, 8.3, Roger Clemens, 8.2, and then Derek Lee, 7.7. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he, he was always a good player. He was a former Marlin. Uh, he he didn't quite start his career with the Marlins. He had played 22 games with the Padres in 1997, but then he was with uh, the Marlins for six years, and then that 2005 season was his second with the Marlins. Or not the Marlins, the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Derek Lee crushes a ball in the, what was it, the fifth inning? Off of Annabelle, or no, the fourth inning. I'm sorry, but if you that was yeah, fourth Aiden, inning. He, yeah, he hit it out of Wrigley, onto Wave. He hit it out of the stadium. Yeah. Yes, on the way. Yeah, I mean he he was a guy who always had a ton of pop in his bat, and that home run showed it. That that one put the Cubs up six nothing at the time. Yeah, this the swing and that, that he and gave that, that ended that up ball being their last run perfect. of the game. But yeah, and you know they were 
yeah, it, he was one of those guys who put the Cubs up 6 nothing and ended up being their last runs of the game, but it ended up being enough. They won the game 6-1 to one, um, because it was, I think it was Cody Ross hit a home run in the eighth inning. Or no, it was the seventh inning? No, the... Uh, oh, it was the fifth inning. I'm sorry. The fifth yeah, inning, Cody, Cody Ross, Ross hit a home run. Yep. Um... So, so that ended up being the final after those five innings of scoring. Um, another thing I want to mention is um, Carlos Zambrano. He ended up pitching the fourth game of the series for uh, the Cubs. Um, he was starting the next day, like I said. And in the eighth inning, he has a little pinch hit appearance, which oh, you yeah. don't see pitchers pinch hitting a lot. Uh, he ended up striking out in that pinch hit appearance, but uh, he ended, he ends up getting a standing ovation from the crowd. And you know, like like you said earlier, I know we have there's not a lot of pitchers now that are good hitters. Obviously, you have your Madison Bumgarner types who are going to hit home runs. Zach Greinke is a good hitter as well, but um, I don't know if we're ever going to see a guy quite like Carlos Zambrano. He hit 24 career home runs. That's uh, tied for seventh all time for pitchers. Um, he was a good hitting pitcher. They said they they had mentioned it earlier in the game. Um, it, it was the fourth inning they mentioned it in, but because the Cubs had not had a guy hit for the cycle um, from 1993 or four, I think it was. But they were saying like earlier in the year, Carlos Zambrano almost hit for the cycle in a game. Yeah, and and that is chaotic, but completely on brand. Oh, of course. And I believe they said it's because he like just ran out of at-bats. Like, the game ended and he didn't have another chance to to hit for the cycle or to, to get an at-bat. Yeah. So, just absolutely crazy. Yeah. And not a bad pitcher either in his time. So, no. It was just his temper that got him sometimes, you know? Yeah, and speaking well, of you... temper, I'm glad you mentioned that. But can we talk about the uh, Lou Pinella when he came out and surprisingly didn't get run uh, because how yeah. bad that missed call was at first base? Yes. Oh, no, he missed that badly. I believe I, – I, I forget. Hold on. Um, oh, yeah, so – Cameron Mabin was hitting a uh, infield single. The ball is like came off the handle of his bat, just the way he swung. It, w- it was a bang, bang yeah. play at first umpire calls Mabin safe. So then Lou comes out and he starts arguing, doesn't get ejected. So then the broadcast shows a perfect camera angle and Mabin beat this or uh, Mabin got beat by at least a half a step. Like it wasn't even close. Yeah, Brian Knight was the uh, first base umpire. Yeah, completely bl- blown call. Yeah, yeah, the, and that's you know, at this point, it's good that we have instant replay and we have challenges because you're not going to get you know those arguments like that and those obvious blown calls. Um, another game, I, I watched the end of it. I didn't watch the entire game. Uh, the other day was the Armando Galarraga game. Oh. That was in 2010. Yeah, and that was that was Jim Joyce who was the first base umpire in that game, and you know it's it's a good thing that we have you know replay now. Oh yeah, we didn't back then. No. There's two things I want to bring up. Uh, one is Lily blocks twice in this game. In the first block, I don't think I've ever even heard of that rule or seen that before. Basically, the best I can explain it is there was a runner on first, and he's a lefty. Lily is. So he went to do the pickoff move where you just lift up your leg and you just step towards the base. Now, Derek Lee wasn't standing on the base, so when he threw the ball over – they call it a balk because apparently like Lee has to be straddling the bag, like in the position of like the, the first baseman waiting to receive the pickoff throw in order, in order 
yeah. for the pitcher to make a move like that. That's the way that I understood that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that I I didn't understand that at the time either, and I obviously had never seen that before, and I, that was a rule I didn't know existed. And you know, sometimes when you watch baseball, you're gonna see a rule that you've never seen before, and that was kind of mm-hmm. one of those cases. And then Aiden, I'll let you explain the second balk that uh. Really yeah, the, sec- made. the second balk was probably was probably just about the most obvious balk, um, potentially in the history of baseball. Um, <laughs> so I, f- I forget who was up. It was the top of the seventh. But um, yeah, he just started and stopped because the batter had called time like just before. He started, took like a stop, stopped for probably like two or three seconds and continued it. It was probably, like I said, the most obvious balk in the history of baseball. And uh, I was just like, yeah, Ed, can't do that. Yeah, it was. That, that that was literally all I said on that. Yeah, and, that and it was, was funny it was because like, like the umpires didn't even call it because it was so obvious. Yeah, and everyone and everyone in the ballpark knew. And the, I forget the who the runner on first was, but he just kind of, he just went for it immediately. I think it was, um, yeah, I forget who was on on first base at the time, but whoever it was advanced to second and. Yeah, very obvious balk on Lee. He had two of them in the game. Oh, yeah. The next person I wanted to mention, Aiden, is Micah Hoffpower, who we both have never oh, heard yeah. of, ever. Never but heard of this him. Guy I provided the Hoffpower. He provided some entertainment out there in right field for us. He did. I had never heard of him. He ends up he, – he was a guy who was in the big leagues very, very briefly. Um. But I, I, I pull up his, his baseball. He's hitting 324 at the time of this game. Um, yeah. So yeah, he played. Uh, he played 162 career games even over three years, which I'm not That's impressive. seeing that as well. He hit 12 career home runs. He had a career average of yeah. He had a career average of 251. At the time of this game, he is hitting. Uh, I think it was 324. Is that what I said? And yeah. Uh, yeah, he ends up having a really, really good game. He goes, uh, this wants to work for me. Yeah, he ends up going two for three here with a walk and a run scored, and he had a diving catch in right field. And uh, he ended up getting pulled in the seventh inning. But Yeah, um, they put in um, Joey Gathright. Uh, Gath- right. Yeah, who got caught stealing yes. because he slid past the base. Yeah, he, he was safe initially, but then just his momentum yeah. carried him off the base. Joey Gathlin was really fast. Oh, yeah. He pinch and ran. He, he just he just slid too late is what happened. If he would have slid earlier, I think yeah, they, his, yeah. he would have stopped at the base. Yep. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it, it, it was funny that, you know, that kind of happened. This was a guy who had – he only had – he was kind of like – you know that that couple stretch of years where teams would have just a designated pinch runner. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You had like Terrence Gore with uh, with the Royals. The Yankees had one. I think a couple other teams had. A... Joey Gathright was like the OG pinch runner. <laughs> the OG. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I, I like that because look <laughs> at this. He played. He, Aiden. He only played seven years, and he was on one. So I'm, I'm going to name the teams that he was on. He was on the Rays, the Royals, the Cubs, the Red Sox, and then he had a second stint with the Red Sox. So he played on, yeah. what's that, five teams in seven years, or four teams in seven years. That's It's four pretty impressive. Seven years. Yeah. For a guy with a it, 68 career fun- OPS plus, a 68, like that's that's yeah. horrible. That's bad. And I think that the funniest part about him is this guy had 1,329 career plate appearances. He had one home run. One. <laughs> one. <laughs> one. Who did he even and hit it, was, it with? Uh, oh, it was, when when he was with the Royals. It was with the Royals in 2006. 
So I'm going to figure that, out who it's, when this who game it's occurred, he, he had hit, he had hit his first and last career home run. All right. I, I found when he hit it, Aiden. Okay. Se- September like 16th, September 16th, 2006 against the Seattle okay. Mariners. He hit it off of okay. Joel Pinheiro in the third inning. One out, oh, one out. Joel, they, they mentioned Joel Pinheiro in, in this specific game. I did forget what, in what context it was in, but yeah, they did. Um, yeah, that, so that happened. So in 2000, so he was basically used as a pinch runner with the Cubs. So he played, he played 20 games with the Cubs. And and this was one of them. Joey Gathright did. He had uh, 15 plate appearances in those 20 games. Yeah, that's. And, that, uh... and then I was looking at later in two, in 2011 uh, with the Red Sox, which ended up being his last uh, seven games in the MLB. Um, he, so he played seven games with the Red Sox. He had one plate appearance in 2011, mm. and he drew a walk. But... Yeah, 1,000 on-base percentage to end his career. Absolutely. absolutely. He had an on-base percentage of uh, 328, believe it or not. Yeah, and but can we talk about how this guy was – all he was there on teams for was to steal bases, but he couldn't really steal bases that well. I mean, he had 81 career, no. career steals, so he, he couldn't steal bases that well. But at the end of the like, he got caught stealing thirty times. Yeah, he went eighty-one for a hundred and eleven in his career stealing. That that's at a clip of seventy-three um, percent math. So seventy-three yeah, percent. That's not bad, but no, it's probably better than what you would want for. Uh, you know, a guy who is specifically on the team to run. Oh, Aiden, that's just my thought last, on the situation. His last career game. So it was with the Red Sox, but it was in the postseason. Or I'm yeah. sorry, his his only career postseason okay. game was was with the Red Sox in 2009. So his first stint with them. Okay. Yeah. Appeared in one game versus the Angels in the ALDS. Scored one run. No plate appearances, no at-bats, but he stole a base. So he, he literally just was there to pinch run. Yeah. And that's all it was. Yeah. Which is fine. I mean, I mean, hey, if you can have a – if you can have be a guy who knows his skill, it's not a bad thing. No, not at all. No. So let's see what else is there to talk about. Oh, well, you mentioned that Freddy Gonzalez was the manager of the Marlins uh, in 2009. Yeah. And remember, he was – so Freddy Gonzalez, he was the manager of the Braves for a couple of years, and he was, he was the Braves manager when the infield fly rule game happened. That was a oh, wild yes. game. I, I feel like not a lot – yeah, and I feel like not a lot of people know he had – he was the manager of the Marlins for a couple of years for the uh, – for the Braves. He managed – Oh, yeah. From 07. He, he managed them for four years. He's um he's now some – he's on the coaching staff of the Orioles now. I'm not sure what exactly he does. But, I mean, two manager jobs – um. So, you know, he, he's one of those guys that's been around the league for a while, Freddie Gonzalez. Oh, he's, yeah. Um, he, so I'm looking at the MLB at bat app right now, and his position is just coach. coach. I don't know what that means. It would, he, he's Ooh. towards the bottom of their managers and coaches, you know, section, and it just says coach. Oh, so, he's the bench coach. He's the bench coach. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh yeah, because they don't have a bench coach listed here. All right, that makes sense. Yeah, he's he's coach. <laughs> Freddie Gonzalez, baseball coach. <laughs> yep. 
the bench coach. So such an underrated position. Like uh, I, I, love, I don't know. I would love to be a bench yeah. coach. Yeah, honestly, it's not, I would love it's to... not bad. No. Basically, you're only managing when the, the manager gets kicked out or whatever. I would love to be a bullpen coach, too. Yeah, you don't really have to do anything. Bullpen, yeah, but if if the bullpen starts doing bad, then, then you get canned. So you better hope you get... Uh, That's your, true. Yeah. You have to be like on the Yankees. Because, of course, yeah, be... we know it takes them years to get rid of their coaching staff. Oh, yeah. I, I, a lot of that would fall on a pitching coach, though. So, I mean, there's that. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, well, so I think that, any... that uh, just – yeah, I was going to say, I think this just about kind of wraps up. Uh, I think we hit everything we wanted to hit. So. Yeah. Yeah. So please be sure to stay tuned for more episodes of this. Aiden, I really enjoyed doing this, uh, just talking baseball, yeah. sitting down. Uh, we're probably going to have another episode coming uh, out uh, in the near future. So just uh, be sure to stay yep. tuned. Check out our Twitters. Be sure to give us both a follow. Uh, we're going to be promoting the podcast on there. So, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, once again, your the final score of this game, the Cubs won six to one, May second, two thousand nine at Wrigley Field. Aiden, anything, any last words? Uh, you know, just uh, you know, I, I think this is gonna be a fun podcast to do in this uh this era right now where we don't have live sports to talk about. So uh, you know, this will give us something to do during this time and enjoy it. Definitely. All right. Uh, please be sure to stay tuned for the next episode of the Caught Looking Back podcast.